There are parts of the Bible that inspire, parts that perplex, and parts that leave you with an open wound. I'm still wrestling, and like Jacob, I will wrestle until I am blessed. God hasn't let go of me yet. Hey everybody, I'm Ashley. And I'm Kristen. And I'm Meredith. We want to welcome you to Inspired Conversations, the podcast study of the book Inspired, Slaying Giants, Walking on Water, and Loving the Bible Again by Rachel Held Evans. The book is available in paperback and audio, so please follow along with us. Even if you aren't reading along, I think you'll still find this conversation beneficial and entertaining on your own faith journey. Today, we're going to dive into a discussion around the walls and war stories. Ooh. This was a rough one, y'all. It was it, intense. It was really hard. Yep. I took multiple, multiple s- sessions of reading for breaks. me to finish it. Yeah, I had to take breaks <laughs> and watch happy things. Yeah, I mean, not often do you go on a, like, tour de genocide of the Bible. At least for it's usually <laughs> broken up between some other things, some other crazy. But she kind of just lays it all out there. And there were a few things that, honestly, I had completely forgotten about, too. Oh, yeah. Let's talk rape and genocide Mm -hmm. and all the things i'm used to the children's bibles and you know veggie tales Mm. (laughs) it's hard yeah we went x-rated yeah Mm -hmm. we did we went straight to the bible (laughs) (laughs) bible unfiltered (laughs) so speaking of that this week's story the walls is based upon the story of the battle of jericho which we read about in joshua 6 so if you want to go back and check out that story there you go i'm going to give a little recap using some of the words from the bible Um, Now Joshua took over as leader of the Israelites after Moses had died, and he was charged with bringing the Israelites to the promised land. The promised land was already occupied by the Canaanites, but in Joshua 6, 2 through 6, it says, The Lord said to Joshua, See, I have handed Jericho over to you along with its king and soldiers. You shall march around the city, all the warriors circling the city once, thus you shall do this for six days with seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, the priests blowing the trumpets. When they make a long blast with the ram's horn, as soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and all the people shall charge straight ahead. And so the Israelites did this. They devoted to destruction by the edge of the sword, all in the city, both men and women, young and old, oxen, sheep, and donkeys. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. That's a real, real upper right there, isn't it? Yeah, in that paragraph, there are so many things to highlight. Oh, gosh. Well, so as Rachel Held Evans does uh, before every chapter in this book, she has kind of summed up or done a midrash version of it so let me uh, use mostly her words to give some highlights of the wall story what took the walls of jericho down was it the shouts of a holy army the guttural drone of seven shofars the weight of god and the marching of human feet against a mighty empire's fortress or a ragtag gang of mercenaries hungry for plunder who talked a prostitute into betraying her people and unlocking the door it depends on who tells the story And not just the walls of Jericho. What about the crusaders on a mission from God to claim the Holy Land for Christ? Or what about the spirit that carried ships to the shore of the New World and carved the American West with railway lines and wagon ruts? For every battle, a thousand tales could be told. Yet we seldom hear more than one of them. So true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, makes me think about 
the history that the writers or the victors are usually the ones that write it. Mm-hmm. And so that gives us some perspective and context. She talks a lot about, um, so the whole idea is around war stories and what those really mean and what they're trying to say because um, they can be scary because they're very violent and especially this one about Jericho talks a lot, it feels a lot like genocide when yeah. you're supposed to annihilate an entire population. It's the definition actually. I mean it's yeah. just, it, it's crazy to read it. Yeah, I don't know, It's maybe this book has taken me out of myself a little bit to relook at some of these things in this particular way and just kind of go okay because I feel like before you start to kind of take the bible and look at it in a different way you go at it with like a okay I'm supposed to agree with this right you know you pick it up right and so you're looking for the things that you feel like you can agree with rather than the things that would trouble you if you for instance like read it in the newspaper so it's it's interesting to go they did what? Mm-hmm. And then it, I thought about Veggie Tales all differently, and I'm just yeah. like, "What are we?" And it's funny how the story also gets really buried in, especially Jericho, in this whole thing about the trumpets. Right. Yes, <laughs> like you get so caught up in why and in what way the trumpets had anything to do with anything. Yes, well, I, and <laughs> I, I that really resonated with me a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I told this, told the book study this morning that. Um, so I'm obviously a giant nerd and in college I took one of my favorite classes was about the Trojan War and in uh, the Iliad which is written about the Trojan War you hear about how Poseidon destroyed the walls of Troy so that you know they could go in and whatever kill everyone Mm -hmm. Um, but historically well mythologically Poseidon was also the god of earthquakes and so most historians are now saying because now we know Troy was a real place they found it and they're saying that that area is so seismically active that it's probable that actually there was an earthquake that then brought the walls down but the people then said see it's Poseidon he's on our side he took down the walls Mm -hmm. and so then it just made me think okay what could have happened Mm -hmm. right that's a totally normal thing in you know in the world what if it was an earthquake what if it was this but now they're saying it was the rumbling of our feet and it was the blast of our trumpets that's what brought the walls down see god's with us Mm -hmm. yes Um, it Mm -hmm. just i found myself laughing going oh gosh history really does repeat itself (laughs) it's like the same thing people saying the same stuff over and over and over again Mm -hmm. that's absolutely true and the trumpet thing did y'all ever see the movie small soldiers no no okay it's a random old movie but so it kind of reminds me of a lot of tactics that were used in like the korean and vietnam wars and i don't know if it was the cold war you'd probably know Hmm. but like the psychological warfare of like playing really loud music oh Oh, yeah Yeah. so the trumpets were being used as psychological warfare right because if they went all day and all night it's just kind of like yeah, you know, keeping yeah. people that's awake a bit of and stressed. In itself, yeah, right? yeah. Okay. Fun fact. Fun fact, friends. That's why bagpipes were such a big deal. <gasps> the Scots would play the bagpipes and they would bang on their drums, and it scared the crap out of the British. <laughs> it was not for the pure joy of the music no, that comes out of those bagpipes. No. <laughs> Ashley can attest that bagpipes in an enclosed space are great. They're not that great, and they terrify two-year-old flower girls. Yes, they do. So there's that. Oh. So any of you who are planning your weddings and bagpipes inside. Let's just, Don't. let's take it outside, folks. Take it outside. It was great outside, 
This was my wedding, in case we're not able to read between the lines. But And I assume it was your daughter. It was my two-year-old daughter that when the bagpipe started, she was supposed to walk down the aisle. And instead, she dropped her basket, put her hands over her ears, and said, I don't like it! Oh, my goodness. My dad had to get up and be like, come on, I'll walk with you. I was like, oh, this is a disaster. It was so cute. Yes. But it was so funny. But then the bagpiper led us from the church to the reception venue outside. And that was cool. Oh, that was yeah. really Because cool. he was playing outside. But yeah. It was yeah. a cool procession. The church was a little bit loud. He just went for it, man. And it was a really I don't know that there's really volume control on bagpipes. No, I haven't so, seen an up and down button yeah, on them no, or anything. No, 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 you, no. no. That's amazing. So, yeah. So, it really could have been a form of torture that they're doing around. But I still, I feel like, Meredith, like, there had to have been some, whether uh-huh. it was an earthquake. Right. But, yeah, you're then they were like, that was God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so we're supposed to plunder and destroy this yep. village. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, growing up, did you guys ever have any questions about that? Did anyone ever tell you the cause or the reasoning? Why? Unfortunately, I bought that story wholesale. You did. You weren't. <laughs> you bought that yeah, story. So it was until, like, until we started talking. Like, not until we started talking, but I'm sure I was like, ooh, that's weird. But it has never bothered me until I've thought yeah. about this idea of like, was everybody who got murdered in the Bible bad? Right. <laughs> like, sure. if you even begin to ask that question, then like everything you have to relook at, you have to and revisit it. Again. Even if they were bad, did we have to kill them? Right. Right. Did we have, like men, women, children, and pets. We yeah. just like everybody. everybody. Right. Yeah. I always pretty much ignored this story i think mm-hmm. short of the you know joshua fought the battle of jericho, jericho. <laughs> i mean otherwise i was like whatever it's just you know it's just another battle story i mean i i said for the longest time yes i've read the bible cover to cover but mm-hmm. what that actually meant was i read you know the first five books and i kind of was like oh wow numbers is really boring i'm gonna skip through a lot of this <laughs> Super boring. and then i got to you know like judges, judges. and stuff and i'm like oh god i don't like this yeah. i'm just gonna skip that oh that's kind of gross i'm gonna skip that mm-hmm. and then okay prophets we can handle this now and then go through the new testament right i just uh, i don't i don't like this i don't like it <laughs> no and she talks a lot about how you know people will tell her that god had his reasons or what what was oh, the gosh. one that she yeah. quoted she oh, quoted um, it, that god it's okay because god brought them into the world and so he's allowed to take them out yeah, in whatever this, way he wants this is my my favorite section of the book i underlined it and literally wrote in all caps gross underneath it <laughs> um a theologian john piper says it's mm. right for god to slaughter women and children anytime he pleases god gives life and takes it away everybody who dies dies because because god wills that they die that's nice theology i love that that's crusader theology i'd like yeah, to think we've come farther in the thousand years but apparently not right it's no. a crazy world to live in of just like i don't know that makes me feel like an ant on a log and there's like some kid with a magnifying glass yeah yeah <laughs> just burning you yeah <laughs> sinners in the hands of an angry god yeah it, well exactly i don't know i don't think i actually believe any of that no I no i mean for sure like, not but it makes me mad that there are people that believe that and teach it to other people yeah yeah and this morning we talked a little bit about i've read uh the peter ends books that she talked about with uh it called the bible tells me so and mm-hmm. he if you really want to learn more about this battle um he dives really deep into it and he brings up the question like did god tell them to do this mm-hmm. which i think right. some people get their mind blown away when they hear that but he equates it almost to like he talks about how when he was a kid 
out on the playground or the schoolyard, um, you know, he would tell stories of his dad. And his dad one time won a turkey shot. Mm-hmm. And in his head, though, like his dad was the best shot in the land. Right. Mm-hmm. So he's out on the culture of the playground telling about his amazing father and the tales that he could do. But he didn't share the stories about his dad in the apron, cooking the biscuits and Mm -hmm. catching the vomit when he was sick in the mornings because Mm -hmm. he needed to show that his dad was the biggest and baddest. Mm -hmm. And so he equates that to these types of stories where complete annihilation is what they say happens to the Canaanites. But that's not actually what happened. Right. And archaeology agrees with that. Yeah. But it was ancient trash talk. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It makes me feel better, at least. I don't know. Like... (laughs) Yeah, but still not great. No, it's not great. <laughs> Total genocide's not good. But also, like, just killing women and children is also bad. Yeah, well, and especially and then, if your intent was total genocide. Right. right. If that's what you were going for, but you just failed. I don't know. At least it makes me feel like I can take this out of, like, in essence, God's mouth and put it into, like, some guy who's like, yes, and that's how we did this and and nary a person ever stood up against us again yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think i think this morning we talked about it being you said ancient trash talk it's like the uh, ancient fishing tale yeah it gets yeah. bigger uh-huh. each time there were a thousand that we killed there were six thousand oh there was a million we killed them all <laughs> like just at what point is it real and at what point is it just a fishing tale right right, right. between the trumpets and then yeah and they talked about how it probably wasn't even that populated of a right. city it was probably mostly soldiers mm-hmm. right who were there as well yes so it's just interesting to look back and understand more of the context around these stories yeah. i think also helps me and um we talked about meredith talked a lot about the maturity too as you go through the bible yeah so that <laughs> i told Kristen after book study this morning i was like i don't know why my mind is in like greek mythology today <laughs> but everything i was like oh that's like in greek mythology but I, I one of the other classes or no it was the same class that i took talked about we read the iliad and we read the odyssey and uh, there's a lot of debate on whether or not homer actually wrote them both because they're so different the iliad mm-hmm. is all i mean the focus it's obviously a war story but the focus um amongst all of the main characters is on being remembered you know, the only thing you can do in your life is do enough to be remembered. And, you know, Achilles ends up dying being remembered, you know, but he's remembered. So it's all good. And then in the Odyssey, it's all about a man wanting to get back to his family. Mm-hmm. And he actually meets Achilles in the underworld. And Achilles is like, yeah, all that stuff I said, that's BS. <laughs> being remembered is not good. You need to live your life while you have it. And so there's all this debate. And mm-hmm. the theory that I liked the most, I don't know if it's true, was that uh, Homer wrote the Iliad as a young man mm. and the Odyssey as an old man That's cool. and how your priorities change. And I've always kind of, since that class, I've always kind of viewed the Bible the same. And I'm not saying mm-hmm. that it is, but so much of the Old Testament feels like it was written like by a young man. Yeah. It's all rah, rah, look how mighty God is. God wills it. We're going to do it. And then New Testament is like, let's love everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> just Jesus. Yeah. Yay. Right. <laughs> so besides this story that we all know pretty well because it was highly publicized, <laughs> uh, what other Bible stories, obscure or not obscure, have you found especially troubling? So much of the Old Testament. <laughs> Just so much of it. Um, I mean, I, I think I said it in one of our very first podcasts, but the plagues have mm-hmm. always been very, very troubling for me. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody said this morning, basically, anytime that there's killing, 
like the the violence in the rape. violence yeah well it, but for me as a mother like the uh Herod killing all the children under two and yeah. you know yeah. Pharaoh killing all the Hebrew babies like all just like ugh. but especially when it's done in the name of God mm-hmm. right which neither of those was but still right there's plenty of killing of children in the name of God which she kind of chronicles right. in this chapter right. yes Yes. One that I've always had trouble with is Sodom and Gomorrah, um, which in that story, it's really sad. But at one point, a father offers up his daughters to a group of men who are planning to rape and pillage her, basically, Mm -hmm. them. And it just felt very icky to me because I couldn't imagine that my own father or anyone that would be part of what God would want. Of course. Mm -hmm. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, no, because I think that, like, the motivation behind that is that he was protecting a guest of his house. Yes. The angels of the Lord. Yeah, the, who were the angels of the Lord. Yeah, so it's, it's like, being a good host is better than protecting your family. And it's like, ugh. No, plus, it's so much violence towards women. Yes. There's, there's, and she talks about it a lot, but just so many things that were like, it's cool to just, I mean, draw and quarter women and... Mm. All manner of rape and... And most women don't have names. Yeah, most aren't named. Lots of them are virgins. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're they're called virgins, so... Which is classic. That's that's what, uh, you know, the trading value of a woman at that point was. Sure. Yeah. You know, that was your currency. Mm -hmm. Okay, so speaking of, what types of Bible verses or Bible story would you want completely removed from the Bible? Hmm. I would like to say some stuff in the Old Testament, but honestly, my very first thought, and I'm probably going to get a lot of flack for this, but there's a lot that Paul says in the New Testament that mm-hmm. I really do not like, uh, especially, so, you know, w- women obey or wives obey your husbands, but then there's, you know, women should remain silent and all of these things that have been used for centuries to repress women, um, especially repress them within the church, not just within their lives and within their relationships. But mm-hmm. um, they're still used today for reasons why women should not have active roles in the church. Women, you know, should be separated from men in a lot of congregations. It's just so much pain and repression caused by a taken out of context scripture, which I know that's cherry picking, which we've talked about before, but you know, I'm going to do it. <laughs> so, and that's not even getting to the you know the number of verses that talk about slavery and make right. it okay mm-hmm. yeah meredith changed my mind on this one this morning i was going in the direction of saying those violent stories and mm-hmm. then as meredith was sharing i was like oh my goodness yes because those stories we can all kind of agree are yicky yeah. and yucky yeah but um these are still affecting our culture today mm-hmm. right the ones that deal with the oppression of women Mm-hmm. and racism mm-hmm. yeah kind of like we talked about last episode it's interesting that these were kept in um and what we're right. supposed to learn about them because of these violent like because at first i'm like well i wish that hagar's story never happened you know i wish she never went through right. that but that i can't undo the past so the question is what would you delete from the bible that people like quote maybe wouldn't like absorb or learn about but if we delete all of the bad stuff mm-hmm we all it's just like how we're constantly repeating history right over and over and over again Mm -hmm. and maybe we'll learn a little bit if we keep it all around i mean 
we've already repeated history in a lot of these different ways, yeah. you know, and it's crazy to think about that people have been making these same mistakes forever. But I think that there are a lot of war stories specifically and that, that they've also connected to sexual sin and stuff that has become really pervasively harmful and utilized against people in today's society. And absolutely. I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of um, blanket statements the Bible likes to make. And I think that... <laughs> what <laughs> shocker i mean uh full of wisdom full of grace but yeah so i'm i'm totally on board with you guys with that yeah and it was interesting because we did talk about how we shouldn't though make it this like just happy friendly um mm -hmm. yeah. literature and bible because that's not our story right yeah. i think Kristen had i think you just came up with it this morning the good she came up with a good question of um if we were to write this the bible today mm -hmm. rewrite the bible today what would it be um and kind of what we we kind of knocked it around a little bit hmm. and ultimately it was like well i feel like today we would want to get rid of a lot of that like violent nasty stuff that no that's not good that mm -mm, we don't need to talk about that that's not who god is mm -hmm. but then what ends up happening is it's a very sanitized yes. version of religious and jewish and christian history uh that would not tell the true story would not tell the whole story right? no and when it impart the wisdom and it imparts on us today mm -hmm. and be the living word of yeah. god and when now that you say it like that i actually think i'd add more detail i'd ask for more gross detail because the things that we don't get after these horrible genocides is how it didn't do what the people wanted it to do right how it they still failed how god was not happy with them how then they tried again and you know it the things that probably happened, history repeating itself. They didn't right. just like, and now the land is the Lord's. That's not... <laughs> well, and so often history repeats itself because people think, well, A, people haven't been exposed mm -hmm. to what happened previously, or B, they think, well, we'll do it a little bit differently right. this time. It, or that, I'm not doing it like that. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, how often do you hear about, with the exception of, you know, people who have... I think actual um, clinical issues. You don't mm. often hear about people coming back from war and being like, let's do that again. That was awesome. Yeah, Usually right. they're like, that was horrible. We need to avoid that at all costs. Right. But when you're removed from it and you're just kind of reading the glory side of it mm -hmm. and not reading the icky details, not having to see it happen, it's a whole lot easier to be like, cool, we'll try that. Mm -hmm. That worked for them. Yeah. Let's try it. And, mm -hmm. and we know the Bible was written after these stories happened yes so it's very unlikely that people that were involved in the stories were actually part of the writing process. exactly yeah so they might not have told it the same way with the ancient trash talk it mm -hmm. might have been like no that was real bad yeah mm -hmm. yeah we we shouldn't have done that y'all yeah well and especially at this time when stories were told they were usually told for the preservation of history or entertainment right and they had an agenda yeah they had an agenda it's kind of like all like, writing yeah like this writing. from the beginning when the little boy hears the story of gilgamesh mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. know same thing different spin yeah so well so talking about entertainment that brings me to mm. one of my favorite questions <laughs> what are some of your favorite or least favorite war stories these can be mm. books movies plays i know that Kristen has a play in mind <laughs> that musical that meredith has ixnade but <laughs> rachel held evans even brings up hamilton she in her did. book I don't <laughs> think that qualifies as a war story. But they do but... kind of glorify it. True. Like Very they're true. singing about how they want to be a part of the story of tonight. Absolutely. And that they go out to battle. So I do feel like they glorify what it meant to be part of the American Revolution. 
Yes. Which we see a lot of. Oh, yeah, we do. That's my favorite thing, having family in the UK and going over there and seeing that it's not even a blip on their radars. <laughs> like, we go to these museums and we're like, oh, ooh, look, 1776, here, it's going to be on this timeline. Why isn't there anything there? <laughs> oh, wait, because they've got a thousand years of history that's really cool. Yeah. And then we're like, yeah, rah, rah, American well, Revolution. <laughs> yeah, but they weren't the victor. Very so true. Like, Very that true. didn't happen. <laughs> I mean, have you, all seen, have you all seen the article where there's something about how, you know, how um, Prince Harry is now in a his son oh yeah is an american citizen yeah so, this new baby can be an american citizen yeah yep. so yeah. he could be president so king george is playing the long game yeah. <laughs> i think that's way so to play funny. the long game george the <laughs> third oh my gosh i i i like Kristen. am not a huge like well Kristen doesn't like the violence no but mm-hmm. I don't like the sad. I avoid mm. sad movies like other people avoid horror movies. So <laughs> that's true because there are a few movies, sad movies I've recommended to you, and you're like, nah, no, no thanks. No. I just can't. I I get too. I feel it too deep. Yeah. I just can't, and it'll ruin yeah. my day. Like I'll just watch this movie, and so like I've never seen Saving Private Ryan. I haven't either. I know. I know, Meredith. Okay. I know. <laughs> Moving on. We should have a viewing party because I yeah. think that was the same in the study this morning. So, yeah, Rachel Held Elvins talks uh-huh. about she herself the same way. Like, she's not seeing same in Private Ryan. Um, she just said no to Game of Thrones. Yeah. yeah. See, I can do You all did those. Game of Thrones, though. No. But it's but not sad. It, it's... it is more often rad than sad. True. As long as long I'll as go the, with that. Yeah. As long as the rad sad ratio is mm-hmm. is in check. There was too much violence for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I I'm down I'm down for the hacky stabby. I just Okay, have you seen Pearl Harbor with Ben Affleck and Josh? Yeah, Perfect. I have. I have. Okay, that was that my that pile. <laughs> giant pile of steaming. <laughs> God love Michael Bay. I mean, that parachute scene was steamy. Mm, however, yeah, I don't however, think that's the type of war no, stories no, we're no. talking about. No, so. no. There was a movie. There was a movie that I saw that you would never want to watch. Kristen and a Million Years. Okay, I'll write that down. <laughs> Not on the list. Uh, it was purposefully gruesome because it was supposed to represent how gruesome war was but it was hacksaw ridge oh i Ew. never i did not see it you didn't no I've heard ben great things about ben it. wanted to see it so badly so i'm weird about gore mm-hmm. i mm-hmm. i i'm just I'm weird, I'm weird about gore it, it had a lot of gore it was it was intentionally gruesome because it's it it is about a conscientious objector correct and it was a medic right right it was yeah. a medic and so it is a Mel Gibson movie, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. So I'm not making this up. No, no. So my friend Lauren is used to be associated with a Christian radio station. I remember when you went to yeah. see this. And so she invited me to a pre-screening yes. when Mel Gibson was there afterwards to answer questions. Whoa. And so we got to see like the pre-movie theater version. So there weren't like any credits or anything. It was just like blue screen. And didn't screen. people like walk out? Yeah. So it, it was specifically aimed towards Christian like pastors in the area because essentially the movie, it has this like deep lesson of like deep love Mm -hmm. in it and like christ-like love through violence and like retaking back the narrative of the fact that we're supposed to kill people for god and country oh boy oh that sounds good it's really good i mean it is an amazing movie but yeah lots of people got up and left because it was so violent 
and like adult men pastors who I either had their sensibilities tickled or like, I don't know. It was, but me and Lauren sat all the way through it and she can't, she's much more like you. And so she kind of just... Yeah, the eyes. Uh, and yeah, I'd, t- I'd tell her when things were over, but I mean, that would be me. It was really good, but anyways, that's probably the only like sh- explodey, yeah, war movie that I walked away from. Going, I'm oh. glad. I'm glad I have that in my back pocket. Yeah. What that's was a good that one. one with Brad Pitt? During Glorious Bastards. Yes. Oh, I love that movie so I much. I did actually watch that one. We quote that a lot yeah, in my family. I did it's very watch good. That one. I had never seen that movie until a flight, like within oh, yeah. the last couple of years, and I had never seen it. That is I a good movie. I think they glorify war in that one. Yeah. Oh, for sure. But yeah. it's Quentin Tarantino. I yeah. Mean, <laughs> he glorifies anything if it makes him money. Oh, I, I do feel love like Quentin I'm Tarantino. impressed. I've sat through that one. I'm impressed I you have. One. I enjoyed it too. Maybe because Quentin Tarantino is like fake fake gore right. well and that's exactly what it yeah, is it was because i yeah. i don't like gore and i've decided i don't like gore when it was real not like it really happened on the set but i see i see if it's happened in history yeah i hate it i can do game of thrones because i'm like whatever that's a dragon it's not real yeah. yeah i can do a lot of that kind of stuff because i'm like it didn't actually happen mm-hmm. and even like made up things that take place modern day i'm still or i mean you know whatever yeah. seemed to take place contemporarily i'm like okay i can handle it but if i know it was real and it really happened I really struggle with that level of gore. I get over it sometimes because I'm like, I want to be able to say I've seen this. You know? like, and right. I want, and I won't lie. Most of the time I'm like, I want to see if it's accurate or if I can pick this apart. Yeah. 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 But, so are there any historical war movies then that you want to like pitch out there for the listeners to watch <laughs> or avoid? Um, <laughs> Merit- Merit- only because, okay, hang on. Only because it came up this morning. Um, somebody this morning said that one of their favorites was the movie kingdom of heaven with Orlando Bloom about the Crusades. Oh. And I started laughing and I was like, I'm so sorry, I'm not laughing at you, but I kind of am because that movie is so ridiculously not accurate at all. (laughs) To the extent, my absolute favorite part, and I'm sorry, I'm gonna go on a tangent. My absolute (laughs) favorite part is at the very end of the movie, Saladin has, you know, they've kicked all the Christians out of- Spoiler alert. Yeah, sorry guys, you can look it up. Uh, But they've kicked all the Christians out and he retakes Jerusalem. He goes in, Saladin walks into this sanctuary and sees this large cross that was on an altar that's knocked over and it's laying on the ground. And he walks up to it and he picks it up and he holds it in the light aloft and then places it very gently and reverently back on the altar and then walks away. And in the movie theater, I went, <laughs> because it's an actual documented thing that what Saladin actually did was strap that giant cross to the back of a team of donkeys and rode it through the city, stopping at the cross street so that people could come and beat the crap out of it. <laughs> I was like, what? You literally took something that was documented and did the polar opposite. Golly. It made me laugh. I'm sorry. That was my tangent. There you go. No. So you've heard it here, folks. Don't uh, Kingdom of people. Heaven is is albeit has a very attractive cast oh, but yeah. is very inaccurate yeah very. i thought when she said orlando bloom yeah. was it pirates of the caribbean but that was not <laughs> Ooh, i like that one no I like no oh and captain america another good war story indeed indeed <laughs> i do like that one absolutely <laughs> different reasons folks <laughs> okay. so i do have a bone to pick with rachel held evans though because Uh-oh. On page 69, when she's saying she doesn't like war stories, you know, she said, I've never seen Saving Private Ryan or Apocalypse Now. She said, Civil War enactment, reenactments common in this part of the South give me the creeps. 
and I kind of got my hackles up. Oh, did Are you? Are you into Civil War reenactments? Because, fun fact, friends. Oh, gosh. Oh, here we go. I've been in several Civil War <laughs> reenactments. <laughs> and I play a man. <laughs> and it's definitely the nerdiest part of me. And I'm shocked and appalled that I'm sharing this. But... <laughs> I have, I have seen the pictures, she, folks. Yes, we'll, Ashley we'll has put seen them the up. Pictures. Um, if you want to click the link, <laughs> be in, in the, the show, show notes. notes. I will say that my husband makes a very attractive soldier. Oh, Ben does it too. Well, he did it so For that I you? would shut up. Yes, my father-in-law used to be a Civil War reenactor, and he would like go to schools and you know um, show like the gear and whatnot. And uh, there was one day I was like, I really want to do this, and he was like, Ha ha! And I was like, No, I really do. And he went, Okay. And I was like, but Ben has to do it too. And Ben was like, oh, God. And he did. <laughs> but yeah, my husband makes a very attractive soldier. I do not make a very attractive man. Oh, let's say that. You Mulaned it? I Mulaned <gasps> it. Oh. Except for she was like at least a pretty looking man. <laughs> I was just a. No. It was bad. I looked at myself. I was like, I would not be attracted to me <laughs> if I were a woman. Did like, you, I am a woman. Did you, know you get I mean? some mustache going or anything? No. no? I just didn't the no makeup, but then I like took dirt and like rubbed it on my face to oh, try and make me look oh. a little more grizzled. Mm-hmm. But instead, I just looked like a woman that needed to wash her face and had really big bags under you, her eyes. You probably looked like a chimney sweep that got lost. Oh my, yeah, something <laughs> I was wearing. I was wearing Ben's old because Ben was an uh, extra in the movie American Outlaws, and my father-in-law was also in it. They played Confederate soldiers, and so I wore Ben's old Confederate uniform. And it was a little tight. Kind of made me sad. <laughs> Fun facts with Meredith. I'm sorry. Wow. Well, there <laughs> sorry you go. Sorry for that derailment. No, I mean, that's that's something I'm... we didn't know. So thanks for sharing. No, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. no, mm-hmm. I I'll add that to the list. We'll try. Think. That's a good two truths and a lie for you. I've never used it because I was too embarrassed for a long time. But now, whatever. <laughs> I know. I don't even care. That's the great that's thing great. about getting older. We get living, more mature. Living well, my truth, man. Mm-hmm. So now that we've been funny. Yeah. <laughs> We try. We did. We? I mean, I think we are. Yes, I do. Let's bring it down for oh. just a second. Okay. Not down. Let's, let's We're not take gonna it. We're not going to cry this time, Let's though, take right? it. I don't think so. Let's take it somewhere real. So okay. Have you ever doubted your faith or doubted the Bible? How have friends, family, and religious leaders responded to those doubts? We know Meredith has good stories about this. Well, I talked about it last time. Yeah. 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 Um, and the time before that. Because, yeah, when you talked about oh, the yeah, yeah, meeting yeah, yeah. the minister yeah, yeah. in College yeah. Station. Yes, mm-hmm. I did. Yeah, she did. No, Man, she gave sorry, us some... guys. I've talked to you a lot about stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's good. It's good <laughs> examples of having doubt uh, and it being yes. okay. Mm-hmm. True. No, I mean, I think the Bible is hard. Yeah. Um, And it has been like even reading, I'll say reading Peter N's book was challenging. He dives more into the details and the facts around why certain things probably didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And so then you kind of, for a moment, I kind of spiraled into, okay, if this didn't happen, then like what out of the Bible did happen? Right. And like, where does it stop? Mm -hmm. Uh, Does it stop at Jesus miracles? Well, why, why does it stop there? Mm -hmm. And I just had to kind of reel myself back in where I also was like, hold on your faith was never dependent upon everything in this Bible being fact. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't need to rattle you because you know God and Jesus are bigger than this Bible based upon the experiences and the reasons we've all shared in here. Mm-hmm. And so I had to kind of take it back there because it was it was a little bit 
shocking at first to really, I never dove into these stories before, but yeah, it was like, okay, yeah. If like Noah's Ark, you know, if that didn't happen and all these things didn't happen, what's real? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny that I brought up Lauren going to that movie with me because Lauren is probably the most biblically literate person that I know who's not classically trained just she it's kind of just her her meditative process of study that like she gets up like every morning I don't know if it's five since she's had little babies but when we were in college which is already impressive she would wake up and be up way before the light and would read her bible just consistently I've always been jealous of her about this and so that makes me feel bad (laughs) (laughs) and she has found so much to feel connected and just like deeply spoken to through the Bible. And she always talks about it with me. And, you know, the times that I have read the Bible extensively too, I've found that I find those things and it's not torn asunder by these things. There's still plenty of stuff that I feel good about and feel resonated with and spoken to when I read the Bible. But, you know, at the beginning of the podcast, I talked about our Legos the another uh game based metaphor I like to use for faith <laughs> is Jenga. And so like if there's one Jenga piece that you can pull out of, you know, maybe everything in the Bible being true and factual. If that comes out and your whole faith crumbles, right. It's not it's not built right. It's right. not built correctly. It's not built on the right things. Right. So it it's it's one thing and sometimes I feel like you have to play Jenga before you figure out what's going to make it fall. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that is kind of dealing with this stuff. And so there has been plenty of times that I've read this stuff and not known how to handle it or explain myself. That's a big part of sure. my faith journey is like people asking me, what the heck, Ashley, you're peddling <laughs> this book. What do you have to say about this? And I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know how to answer for this. So I don't know. There's been plenty of times and plenty of times now, like today, that I have no idea how to sit down and use the Bible correctly. You know, I'm I'm constantly yeah. like, you know, should I just pick a page? <laughs> like and and as we've found that it's been used so incorrectly, I do feel hazardous sometimes. Sure just jumping in because I'm like, man, I don't want to like spin myself off into oblivion on accident. But I think that's not a good instinct either to start yeah. to feel that that it's it's caustic if you just want to interact with it. I don't know. So I think I'm in a, a liminal space of not knowing exactly how to continue my relationship with the Bible. Right. <laughs> knowing well, these yeah. And it, she or Peter, I can't remember. I get them confused. Talk about how it's important when you're kind of going through it to do it in a community of mm-hmm. friends. Too. Absolutely. Yes. Because then especially a supportive group. Where yeah. it's like, yeah, that's okay that mm-hmm. you're questioning it. Yeah, mm-hmm. here are some things that have helped me. May yeah. or may not help you. Yep. But I think it's good to be able to talk about it. I think my my biggest question that I held on to, I told, I've shared before that I didn't really have problems, not doubting, but I didn't have problems um, with questions shaking my faith. It kind of was like, okay, whatever. If that's the way it went, that's the way it went. But the one that always scared me to ask about because of the fear of backlash. Um, was my mainly because I was like, man, this is like the thing. Um, was my questions always about the quote unquote immaculate conception? Mm-hmm. And I mean, while I know that God is powerful and God can do anything that God wants to do, 
I'm sitting there as someone who loves science going, okay, but obviously the X chromosome or Y chromosome had to come from somewhere. Like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it didn't magically appear. It had to come from somewhere. So where did it come from? And, but I always was like, oh God, we can't talk about that. Mm-hmm. We can't mention that. No, that's how it happened. Luke said so, you know? And so mm-hmm. um, I never, ever, ever talked about it for years. And then brought it up um, to one of our former co- co-workers mm-hmm. Um and was she was so helpful and gave me a book and like I was reading a book about it and I was like oh my gosh other people have talked about this too like there's ent- there's an entire book of essays about what kinds of things could have happened and you know why it was written oh, that interesting. way interesting what's the book called uh i have a picture of it it's called i think different perspectives on the nativity i believe is what it's called oh, interesting. i can send you the uh, the it's I'll, a collection I'll include it in the show notes yeah it's mm-hmm. a collection of papers and essays that were written about it and there were just so many fascinating things. I remember reading it and like underlining and going, oh my gosh, this is so cool. And I mean, I even like, I talked about it with my mom and my mom was like, oh, that is really cool. But also, ee, that's a little bit weird. And I don't know how I feel about it. And I thought, man, I just think it's awesome. <laughs> I just think it's so awesome. Um, and so I was really fortunate that the first person that I kind of talked to about that was not only welcoming but um encouraging Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because i can imagine i pride myself on not having my faith easily shaken which makes me sound just really snobby uh i was afraid that if someone were to be like what is wrong with you you can you can't say that that i would have been like oh no there's something wrong with me (laughs) you know like oh my gosh i can't believe i thought that and and perhaps that could have been the thing that i was like e I don't know how I feel now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it was all about how they received that from you. And I think that's important because if you don't receive it the way you want to receive it the first Mm -hmm. time, that doesn't mean to stop looking Mm -hmm. for someone else. Exactly. And that's what I was going to say with my kind of trying to figure out what my relationship with the Bible is going to develop into is it's never going to develop if I don't keep trying to develop that relationship. It's like any relationship. And I have people in my life like y'all and like Lauren who are all living in different spaces and interacting the Bible in different ways and are all likely getting different things out of it every time you read it. And so all of that is the is the lifeguarded pool that we're all swimming in. But we have to still try to learn how to swim, I guess. Right. <laughs> to finish that metaphor. People will throw you a life jacket. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Lifesaver. <laughs> a lifesaver. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Not a candy. Not a candy. <laughs> Not a candy. I like those two, though. Do you? I'm an old lady. Or fruit flavored. I always got the fruit ones for Christmas. You know those books that had the oh, lifesavers yes. in them? Yes. Uh, but I like the I like the spearmint ones. Me too. Uh-huh. The wintergreen? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yep. Those are my the favorite. The peppermint ones are hot. They're, they're good, too much but for they're, me. they're good. I like the, no. I like the spearmint. So yummy. Yes. Yeah. But no, I think I think that um, this book, more than anything, has encouraged me to not lean away from discomfort when I read the Bible. I feel like she's really kind of affirmed this feeling of like, not doubting, but discomfort of like, am I supposed to be grossed out? <laughs> I think that often yes. we yes. come at it thinking, oh, we're supposed to just agree with everything. But maybe sometimes stories like Hagar's are left in so that you remember that pain has happened and should be honored and should be avoided again right no i think that's good i think that brings us to our last question which is what are what are some of your favorite parts of the book i know there Mm -hmm. was a really good quote in here that it says there are parts of the bible that inspire parts that perplex and parts that leave you with an open wound i'm still wrestling and like jacob i will wrestle until i am blessed 
God hasn't let go of me yet. Mm. So it makes me think it's okay to live in that tension. I love that line. I forgot about it. I'm glad you read it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just accepting that you're going to feel a little weird about things. Mm -hmm. But that's okay. But that's okay. It'd be weird if you didn't feel weird about it. It would be weird. Then you'd be a sociopath. And that and that is a problem. (laughs) And that friends is bad. Yep. Yep. Other books. Other books for that. Weird things, you know. (laughs) Okay, what about y'all? What are some of your favorite quotes in here? I liked where on page sixty six, um, when she's talking about the stories that she's wrestled with and whatnot, and she said, um, I tried reading scripture with my conscience and curiosity suspended, and I felt quite literally disintegrated. I felt fractured and fake. And that I that resonated with me because I do think that with reading so much of the Old Testament, we try to turn off, you mm-hmm. know, our reactions. Yeah. And in a way, we're uh, giving ourselves permission to excuse horrible things. Yeah. And all that ends up happening is you feel fractured and fake. Mm-hmm. This is not who I really am yeah. because I would never excuse that in any other capacity but mm-hmm. somehow when it's in my holy text i'll excuse it right um or so even that, worse you'd begin to accept it right. outside of the text right and so that me. resonated with me mm, that's really good i start that one too we should have a star quotes yes <laughs> mine was the part where um just after she tells the story um of the rhinoceroses yes so we about, I love yeah it. she I love it. she summarizes this kind of older story um about a man who's living in a french town where rhino rhinos just show up and how everyone kind of gets hung up in the nitty gritty details of like what type of they are and how many horns they have and they all slowly because of i'm assuming you know this metaphorical distraction turn into rhinos and he's the only one left and it's a really cool story um (laughs) that she thinks is about fascism but the quote immediately after i really resonated with and it says um this is on page 68 A lot of people think the hardest part of religious doubt is feeling isolated from God. It's not. At least in my experience, the hardest part about doubt is feeling isolated from your community. There's nothing quite like going through the motions of Christian life, attending church, leading Bible study, singing hymns, bringing your famous lemon bars to potlucks, while internally questioning the very beliefs that hold the entire culture together. It's like you've got this ticker scrolling across every scene of your life, feeding you questions and commentary and doubts, and yet you carry on as if you can't see it, as if everything's fine. Say something and you risk losing friendships and becoming the subject of gossip. Keep your doubts to yourself and risk faking it for the rest of your life. I know a lot of people, including some pastors, who are faking it. And I was just like, whoo, man. Um, <laughs> yep. I mean... Yeah, I felt like I've faked it at some points. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. I don't know when when she, when she said that out loud like that. I was like, oh, there are weeks when I'm faking it. You know, I don't really want to be here, <laughs> right? And but you know, you're like, okay, not only is it good discipline to go, but you know, it's crazy. That's I'm yeah. so glad that that's spoken as a universal experience rather than an isolated one. Yeah, I kind of had a moment too when she called out. I know some pastors like that too. I was like, whoa. I was like, whoo, man. Man, she's getting it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, it's funny because that's a John Wesley, Mm -hmm. John Wesley thing. And it's not a bad thing because I I do think, I believe in this. Like John Wesley says, well, if you, if you don't have faith, fake it till you make it. Yeah. (laughs) Fake it till you make it. And it's this, but even then, John Wesley's speaking about the fact that sometimes faith goes in waves and right, you're experiencing right. ups and downs. And if you just quit wholesale, sure, 
you're never going to reach the top of the hill again. Sure. So it's really good advice in general. Yeah, that is good advice mm-hmm. in general. Mm-hmm. No, I loved it. I loved it all. I feel a lot better about this chapter having talked about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this morning, <laughs> this morning I was dreading dreading book studying this just because i was like god this was so depressing yeah it was a rough one and just like how are we gonna make this not sad mm-hmm. <laughs> we already were sad last week we need to be a little happy <laughs> no she brings a lot of encouragement in there and mixes it in of like you know bearing witness to the people that were right. lost and and remembering it yes. and trying not to repeat history you know but it's also stuff but also having these conversations where we're all in it together we're mm-hmm. all experiencing the same thing and saying this really was terrible and nobody's going oh ooh, we shouldn't we shouldn't talk no. about we shouldn't talk about We've it that normalized way it. yeah um yeah this has been fun though mm-hmm. so next week we're going to talk about the debate and wisdom stories so i'm looking forward to that who's that about it's about job Ooh. not from arrested development day. <laughs> i mean they kind of go through the same perils i might bring some close-up magic anyways yeah. yes does is he is now i'm gonna go on a tangent in arrested development job i feel like he does like it's always like whoa is job do you think he was named after job in the bible for that no reason? he's george oscar bluth oh that's right oh. yeah I've seen this show like 7,000 times. Right. I still feel like he's got a very Job vibe to me. Yeah, nothing ever really goes right for him. Right, that's but I think what I... it's because of him. It's, <laughs> we need to have the the gif of Lucille Booth saying, I don't care for Job. <laughs> yeah. That can be like God's portrayal yeah. of how he feels, or care. the devil, how he feels about Poor Job. Poor Job. I don't Job. care for Job. Well, that's about how much time we have for today. So check out cumc.com backslash inspired for more details on the book study and to get all of our little tidbits that we talk about in each week's show. If you have any questions you want to ask, reflections or stories to share, please email me, Ashley, that's with an L-E-Y, at cumc.com. And we'll be excited to share them on the next episode. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you have a great week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this podcast episode. As a part of the Christ United Podcast Ministry produced by Ashley Danner, you can visit cumc.com backslash podcasts in order to view our full listing of podcast series. Like, subscribe, and follow so that you don't miss a single message. Thanks for supporting us. Have a great week.